What's up? How's everybody feeling here on this Thursday, December 9th? Welcome into the show here in the studios of Sports 1140 KHDK. Hello to those of you on YouTube. Thank you for joining us. And thank you to the rest of you, smart speakers, app, radio station, however you're finding us. We appreciate that you are here with us today. Jason Ross here with you. We've got two hours of show for you today before we get to Thursday night football to start a new week of NFL action. Week 14, Steelers, Vikings coming your way tonight starting at 5 o'clock. We were off yesterday uh, from the show, had Kings duties last night, but that means we're still going to get Lincoln Kennedy for his weekly visit, former Raider, current Raider analyst. He will join us. That's coming up around 345 today. And then Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. We missed last week, so we got a lot of stuff to catch up on with Chris from the NFL to all the college goings on. Uh, certainly coaching carousels continuing around the nation. We will uh, catch up with Chris Landry at 430 and a ton of NBA. A lot of NBA to get to with the Sacramento Kings. Hey, hey, their first three-game win streak of the season. It's only three, but you'll take it. Beats the alternative, and last night was a win. Um some good things, certainly offensively. Defense left some things to be desired, but they played the right team to play that way. And now they go on the road to start a three-game road trip beginning tomorrow, which we will be talking about as uh, the show rolls right along. So plenty for us to get to today, as we said. Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. So Thursday Night Football is coming your way. But let's do it. Let's start you out with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. Carter, no good. Rebound. Kick it out to Anthony for three. Rattles, drops out. Six seconds to go. Tristan Thompson with that rebound has a double-double. 14 points and 10 boards. The horn sounds. It is over. And for the first time this season, the Kings have a meager three-game win streak. Four times they had won two consecutive games. Tonight is the first time to win three in a row. They do it with a season-high 142 points. Yeah, you'll take it, right? 142 points, and it was kind of a smooth and easy 142. This is the third time this year the Kings have gone north of 140 or above. They did it to Charlotte, who they'll play Friday, looking for the season sweep. They did it to the Lakers, 141, but needed triple overtime. And then last night um, was kind of an offensive clinic, unfortunately, for both sides. Charlotte's not a very good team. Excuse me, Orlando's not a very good team. And they blew past their season high, which I know did not please Coach Gentry and and shouldn't have really pleased the Kings overall. But I I felt like the Kings kind of got themselves locked in offensively and just tried to outscore Orlando, which they did. And it didn't feel like they were ever going to lose the game. But they shot the ball so well, 55%, hit 15 threes. Terrence Davis continues to play well. Tyrese Halliburton was fantastic. De'Aaron Fox was really good. It was good to have Harrison Barnes back. Bagley good again. I mean, really, you go down the line, and I think just about every member that played last night played well. I think the only one that kind of stood out that didn't was Buddy. Buddy was just throwing up everything and missing. Um, But in the end, it's a win. It gets you to 11-14. and It's a home court win which this team desperately needed. But I think while we heard the Kings took the days off since they last played Saturday to heal up, to work on defensive things, if anything, it looked like it improved things offensively. Here's De'Aaron Fox uh, post-game talking about what the practice time did for the Kings. I think offensively, you know, it definitely showed. Um, You know, we had 
uh, we had one day off, and then two of them we, we went at each other in practice. And um, I think it's great to come out your first game out of a you know a long break and get a win. So um, I definitely think that was great. And um, you know we're about to go on the road and continue to try to let the work show. Well, that work to me was offense. Here's some more highlights from really turned out to be an offensive clinic. Davion on the left wing. Behind the back with the dribble, launches for three. Crowd lights up as he hits nothing but net. He went into an ISO one-on-one mode there, went behind the back with a dribble, froze the defender, launched the rainbow, and hit nothing but twine. And the Kings open up now a 94-78 lead. Timeout taken by the Magic. Halliburton, who has a double-double now with uh, 12 points and 10 assists, got the rebound. Takes it to the front court. Now he's going to shoot a three ball. Looks good. Is good. Halliburton putting on a show here right now for Sacramento Kings fans. Four of five from downtown. 15 points, 10 assists, and three rebounds. Kings lead it 119-103. Now some of the other things that inside the box score, why the Kings won despite playing, again, Orlando's not a great team. But how many times have the Kings done that this year and in other years where you go, oh, you feel good about the game, you feel good about the matchup, and then afterwards or the next day or the next couple of days, we're talking about a road trip or an isolated game in which the Kings gave one to the opponent. That wasn't the case last night, but the Kings were great at the line, only missed four free throws, took care of the basketball, and shared it. And I just think that was a really good roadmap for success last night and to beat an Orlando team that did get comfortable offensively. But in the end, a win for the Kings, uh, a three in a row, 11-14. and 14. The home record is better now at 5-8. and eight. That's still got to get a lot better. But it just feels like right now... Um, the team looks a little bit more confident, and I, I felt like when we were talking maybe a week or two ago, it just the losses were starting to rack up. You had already made a coaching change. It just everything seemed to be a little bit in disarray. You also had were sitting without Harkless at the time and Barnes, and it just they didn't seem to be having fun last night. They certainly did, and I know that's easier said than done when you win. But there was just a good vibe about the players. Looked like they had a good time. Looked like they had a little bit of an edge to them as well. And the most important thing was that it ended up being a W. And they needed it. They won by 12. Now they hit the road. And we're going to go over a little bit later what this really is meaning in the big picture. Stuff I had talked about weeks ago where I'd said, you know, look, the Kings, to me, look like a top 10 team. Now their record hasn't indicated that. But if you really look at the Western Conference, Besides the top three, who's good? It's even worse than I thought. I thought the Kings could get into the top ten with ease based on the bottom five. Now it's – this is really ugly. And and maybe the team that stays the healthiest and or is very proactive and makes a move that kind of redirects what their roster looks like might be able to really vault into the standings. Kings haven't done that just yet. They've been, for the most part, healthy for the most part. And they did get the win last night, 142 to 130. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. All right, the win was very good, but it was costly for the Kings because um, one of their key players is now out. Halliburton drives, gives to home, defender flips by, flip in the air, no good, stick back. Oh, what an amazing second bounce that time. Coming hard to the rim was Rashawn Holmes, and that one brings all the Kings off the bench, as we'll get a mandatory timeout. 
Now, Rashawn Holmes wasn't the big factor in the game last night because he only played 10 minutes before getting hit in the eye again. This time he had a cut, and we saw him in the arena post game had this humongous white cloth gauze patch over his eye, and according to reports today, it looks like he's going to miss the next two games at a minimum for Rashawn Holmes. So, um, goggles, Chris? No goggles? What do you think? You can't wear goggles. No? No. Why? Look dumb, stupid. You can't just wear goggles. Oh, so he won't wear goggles then. I mean, he might have to. Yeah. Um, Rashawn Holmes, I actually think goggles are kind of cool. I have no problem with goggles. Did you ever? I picture you wore goggles in high school. I didn't. No? I actually just wore my glasses. I didn't get glasses until real late. Okay. So like uh, freshman year, and I wore them in one game. You wore goggles? No, or your glasses. glasses. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, okay, I just need to get contacts. Gotcha. Um. Yeah, he's had some pretty rotten luck. Whether I say goggles, he could wear a mask, too. I mean, there's a couple different things. He's been hit in the face twice. Yesterday, um, it was Mo Bamba, and it was kind of an incidental thing, but still it doesn't matter when you get grazed and cut and then bleeding, and it's just the frustration for her. I will say, if he wears the Kareem goggles and just goes off, you'll see everyone in Golden One wearing them. Of course. All a part of the bit. Uh, who was wearing them last night? Oh, Wendell Carter for the Orlando Magic. It was weird. So I was watching him, and there was one time he actually – there's such a rhythm to when you get to the line now with the referee, and if they give you the ball too early, you throw it back because whatever your routine is. Well, he was trying to figure out his goggles. I think he wore a headband, and he would put his goggles up there like you might rest your sunglasses on your head. And But all the rest of the game he's shooting with them on. I don't know that they're fogging up. I just don't know why he wouldn't – you know, he's taking his time, three dribbles to shoot, but he wants the glass, the goggles up to shoot for that, but he might take that same jumper in-game. He's not moving the goggles around, but anyway. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, it's unfortunate that he got injured and looks like reportedly is going to miss at least the first two games of this trip. That's Charlotte and Cleveland back-to-back Friday and Saturday. Uh, then the Kings will have um, Toronto on Monday to wrap up this three-game road trip. Now, on the positive side yesterday of that, if there is such a thing, you know, that it's the mentality of the next man up. Alex Len gave him production. Marvin Bagley gave him production. Um, but also this guy. Tristan Thompson, I don't know if that was for excessive celebration or what. He's barking now at uh, Carter. He may have been trying to rub a little extra salt. It's whatever he's saying is totally breaking up. Maurice Halliburton, and now a standing ovation, Bills. Tristan Thompson exhorting the crowd, and they are responding. This is one of those moments that you don't forget at Golden One Center. The technical foul shot is made by Anthony. Now let's... Yeah, as Tristan Thompson ended up with the double-double, uh, here was Tyrese Halliburton postgame talking about just the energy that someone like Tristan Thompson can bring. He's the one guy, seemingly, there's a couple guys. I think Harkless, I think Alex Lynn, um, certainly Tristan Thompson can bring this team a little bit of an edge. Here's Tyrese talking about his teammate. Seems like you got about as big of a kick out of Tristan as anybody in this building tonight. Just uh, <laughs> what did that energy mean, especially him coming in and filling in that void that Rashawn left when he went out? Yeah, I mean, that's just who, <laughs> that's just who TZ is, uh, you know, playing with. Playing just with a lot of energy and, and having a lot of fun out there. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I grew up watching him because that's going to make him sound super old. But, uh, you know, I was a, bit, I was a, I was a Cavs fan growing up. So, like, 
I, you know, I watch TT a lot. So being being able to play with them is so fun. Just to hear the stories of, you know, guys, you know, that I've, I've watched growing up, and then uh, we've had, we have a really good relationship that allows us to, you know, play off each other well. And um, you know, he he's always on me for my energy, and me leading, and I'm gonna be on him for his energy. And I know, you know, if we hold each other accountable, you know, it's gonna be good things more times than not. Yeah, so Tristan Thompson, that is that next man up philosophy, the next player getting an opportunity. But it's it's more than just being ready, it's producing. Can you give what Rashawn Holmes would do? And Holmes is a guy that, you know, they're playing Charlotte tomorrow. And Charlotte, last time when the Kings played them, played so beautifully here, Rashawn, remember, had that first 2020 game. Now, you're not expecting that from Len or Thompson or even Bagley, but can you get that in a combination or close to it? Well, Alex Len, six points, four boards in 17 minutes. Marvin Bagley, 12.6 rebounds in 19 minutes. And then Tristan Thompson gave him 14 and 10 in 21 minutes. Now, the Magic aren't a interior-dominated team by any means. Kings took advantage of that, got to the basket, got to the spots they wanted, and were able to kind of make it through without a guy like Rashawn Holmes. And as much as we've praised this team to have, I would say, decent depth, now it's a little bit of a flawed roster in unbalanced spots, like when Barnes and Harkless were out, you could argue those are two of the most important players to be out. Not that they're their best players, but the fact that they really defend and they're their only true wing players. The Kings had to play small again yesterday, and I would say got away with it. Uh, they were able to rebound evenly with Orlando. And if you get the continue to get the production from Terrence Davis like that, I think you could keep doing this. And But now taking Holmes out of the mix for two games... Uh, You'll insert a new starter there. I I don't know. The Kings, I think, will play small again against Charlotte because they took on that challenge the last time and said, oh, no, we want to run with you guys. You guys are the the darlings of league pass. We're going to run with you. And they ran them right out of the building and set the franchise record for three-pointers made. And uh, Charlotte didn't even bother defending the Kings. And the Kings scored 140 on them and won that game with ease. We'll see how different it is tomorrow. And Charlotte, by the way, Man, the latest on them, they still have uh, COVID protocol concerns with, I think, Chris, did we see five? It was five players again, yeah, that were listed out at this time for Charlotte tomorrow. And there's some key players in there, with certainly with LaMelo Ball, uh, Terry Rozier, Ish Smith. Um, I think Plumlee was another one. and uh, But five total players will be missing from Charlotte's mix tomorrow. Easy win. I see that. Easy? Easy. Why? They're missing five players. They played Philly yesterday and were ahead the whole game until the final minute. Easy win. Christopher Lodd, everybody. Christopher Lodd. So this team just has easy wins now? Yeah. Okay. They found the secret. Yeah? Yeah. We all know it now. You even said it. Outscore the opponent? Score 140 points. Yes. When they've done that, they've won every time. So why even bother trying to stop them? Yeah, exactly. No defense. Don't worry about it. Just try to get to 140, and you win. First, and they go. If you have to go north of that to get to 150, that's fine. Just we'll make sure you have more. Ross's law. <laughs> First team to 140 yeah. wins. So when they're at like like 60 at half, we're upset. But if they're at 70 or more, we're like okay, they're tracking it. No, if that 60, okay, gonna have to get 80. Right. No, no, we're, we're upset because they're probably they're behind the pace. But if they're at 70 or more, we're like they're on it. They've got this thing figured out. Where were they at yesterday? They're at 70. They were right on it. Um, and then went for 72 in the second half. So, again, the win costly for the Kings. Looks like Holmes is going to miss a reported two games, uh, if not more. Let's hope it's uh, let's hope it's just that because he certainly is a big part 
of what the Kings are doing. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. First. All right, it's a new week of the NFL. The season, it's winding down. We're getting here. We're in December football. Playoffs aren't that far away, but as you know, there's 18 weeks, 17 games now. Week 14 starts tonight with the Steelers and the Vikings. Play action. Kirk with a bootleg out to the left. He'll fire to Thielen. Touchdown! Adam was uncovered, and he has two touchdowns. Likewise for Kirk. That one goes for 21. You know, now I'm starting to understand why you said what you said earlier in the week, Chris, about uh, Detroit uh, beating Minnesota. It didn't hold that much to you because Paul Allen didn't. Paul Allen didn't wear it like we would all expect him to wear it. Yes. And every time I hear him, he's good. You could take a knee. (laughs) Uh, He's an experienced quarterback. Oh, my goodness. He... um, I can't believe he didn't wear that one with Minnesota. I mean, with Detroit. It didn't really bother him. That's how, like, you know those people that the tiniest little thing, they just start yelling and screaming yeah. and they're upset. So, like, oh, what, what's wait, their problem? Wait till it now. Wait till this. And then but nothing. then when, if, like, something really bad happens and they're just kind of calm and just like, well, okay, then you get really worried about them. Because yes. it's like, oh, man. Yeah. They don't even know what to do. <laughs> Well, tonight the NFL starts a new week of action with Thursday night. Kind of an odd game. Pittsburgh and Minnesota and Pittsburgh had the win that they really, really needed in Sunday on Sunday against Baltimore. Six, five, and one. We'll see if that tie helps them or not. Uh, these are the two teams that have either tied or lost to Detroit. That's the distinction, I guess, why they get to get the Thursday night game. That's the bowl game. The teams that have either tied or lost to Detroit. Uh, it's Steelers Vikings tonight. Vikings have some injury concerns. It looks like at last report we saw. Dalvin Cook will try to give it a go, uh, maybe with like a, a parent shoulder harness. Uh, it's just about, uh, what was it? Well, 10, 11 days. Yeah, 11 days ago that he had the shoulder injury, dislocated left shoulder. So he's going to try to give it a go. Uh, they will be at home against Pittsburgh. Really, it becomes a critical game for both teams this late into the season. If you look at it from the Vikings perspective, the home team, they've got the Steelers tonight. They'll get a little extra time for the Bears. They close, though, with the Rams, the Packers, and the Bears again. So their days are starting to wind down on whether or not they can make the postseason. And for Pittsburgh, who has a little bit of a better record at 6-5-1, and one, but there's more teams competing in the AFC for those seven spots, it's the Vikings tonight, then the Titans, who have lost their last couple, at the Chiefs, home for the Browns, at the Ravens. Both teams, I don't think, have favorable schedules. Winner probably still feels like they've got a shot at this. Loser mathematically wouldn't be out, but uh, is going the wrong direction. So, uh, you know, should be a fun game. I know we're nearing the end of the career of Big Ben, though he doesn't want to talk about that. Uh, it's it's coming. It's it's just it's a matter of time here. And Pittsburgh seemingly always is competitive, um, even on days where they don't look as strong and as, as promising. But Pittsburgh tonight and Minnesota in Thursday Night Football game. That's coming your way at five or excuse me at yeah at five o'clock all right let's get you more first things first first things first first things first like we said we're gonna have the coaching carousel when we talk with chris landry from landryfootball.com he's going to join us at 4 30 we got all sorts of things to talk about including who is the best team going right now in the nfl afc nfc uh, all the college uh, changes with coaches and the four teams in the final four we'll get to that with chris when he joins us at 4 30 but of somewhat local connection, at least the reports here, uh, looks like Hugh Jackson, former Raider coach, 
um, is going to get a look and have an opportunity to be hired as the coach at Grambling. And we're going to talk to Lincoln Kennedy about that as well. And, you know, Hugh Jackson, I remember when he was the Raiders offensive coordinator first before he became their head coach, I was a really big fan of his. I thought he was a really good play caller. I thought he had uh, he was gutsy and brave and took interesting decisions, not afraid to run tricks or gadgets or gimmicks, but really I think called a good game. And then he, when he was put into the head coaching position, there was a lot made, obviously, of the big move that they made to get Carson Palmer and really mortgage their immediate future. But I thought for that team that was playoff bound, he had to do it. And then after that, it just kind of ended in Oakland at the time and his run in Cleveland was awful. So switching to the college game, it'll be about recruiting and going to Grambling. So he lands a new job this time in college football. Hugh Jackson will be the new coach at Grambling. All right, let's get uh, one more here on First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. Well, I know this was officially announced the other day, but we were off for a couple days, and uh, let's hear from Tiger Woods. As far as playing at the tour level, I, I don't know when that's going to happen. Now, I'll play around here and there. Um, I'm able to participate in the sport of golf. Now, to what level, I do not know that. And a couple of things I took from Tiger's press conference last week. By the way, while we're playing that, Tiger and his son Charlie are going to be playing next week in the PNC Championship. It's a championship with... Uh, tour champions, and then another player. And I know what, in the past, Justin Thomas has played with his father. Lee Trevino has played in this one for a year. I mean, it's basically you, you have an exemption to play and you play with someone else. And it was really cool, some of the images last year for Tiger and his son, Charlie, and even seeing them train right now and work out on the range and uh, to see just the similarities. And I mean, there's been so many side-by-side pieces and, and videos put out on social media about, swing similarities even posture standing there watching others it, it's man it's identical it's just a mini me of tiger woods it's really pretty incredible but the point on tiger's press conference one i still remember earlier this year the day that of the uh, accident and you know it really really could have been a lot worse which is fortunate enough to you know life is the most precious thing we have And then it turned into, okay, well, it looks like he's going to be okay. That's first and foremost. Golf wasn't the first of of the priority. But I remember thinking, well, if he's going to get into the spot where, okay, he's going to be able to live and function and walk and move, he's going to try to play golf again. I mean, he just is. And I took from his press conference a little bit of a, a protective stance in the sense of this, where Tiger's saying, Don't expect me, you know, I I don't know how I'm going to even be able to be. I'm comfortable in my own skin enough to say that I might be able to play in a few tour events here and there, but I I, I can't compete at the level that I once did. One, that's a protection to say, you know, hey, look, I, I went through a very, very serious injury. I'm getting older, my back, all the surgeries I've been through, all these guys are playing all the time. They're young in their prime. It's just going to be very, very difficult for me. Yes, all true. But also, if, in fact, he were to do something like he did in the Masters a couple years ago, it would also become another one of the great legends to his historically legendary career. So I think he's kind of put that caveat out there. So it's like a buffer if Tiger finishes last. Well, hey, look, I'm just trying to play the game that I love so much again at some point. 
and people would welcome it at every tournament. And then if he ever shocks the world, then it just, like I said, adds to his legendary career. But he'll work at it. He'll try to be the best he can, the best version of himself. And personally, as someone that's enjoyed him as a golfer, I'm glad that he will be back. Apparently, in this tournament, he's, he'll be allowed to use a cart. And he's just got to get, you know, it hasn't been a year yet, and he's back on the course. So um, I think February marks a year. So we'll see how he ultimately gets with his long, long-term recovery. But watching Tiger and his son Charlie play in the PNC Championship next week will be very, very cool. All right, break time for us. Still to come on the show, Lincoln Kennedy joins us around 345. Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com at 430. Plenty of NBA to get to. When we come back, though, the Kings got away with one last night. Can't play like that against many other teams in the NBA. We'll explain that when we come back here on Sports 1140 Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK, Thursday Night Football coming up. It'll be the Vikings and the Steelers. Lincoln Kennedy to join us in our next segment. But let's jump back into the Sacramento Kings. Winners last night, first three-game win streak of the season. And this is coming off the heels of uh, L.A. week, right, where they had the embarrassing home court loss to the Lakers, went to the Clippers, beat them without Paul George, came home and beat the Clippers, and really played well, I thought, Saturday. And then bounced back with a kind of a must-win in a sense of, you know, Orlando's not a great team. You didn't want to go backwards. You got Barnes back. You pretty much had your whole roster. Orlando had several players, young players that are hurt. It just, it would have been in the bad loss department. Doesn't go down as a great win, but it's a win and it needed to happen. And uh, they did that. But my point is on yesterday's game, there were more good things about this game, but it really was on the offensive end that, you know, when you score 142, um, it, it it looked easy, and I think when it's easy, maybe there's a tendency, right or wrong, well, wrong, but there's a tendency to let up on some of the other details, and I think they were sharp on their details offensively, or it was just a matter of that Orlando didn't take anything away from them. So not turning the ball over, making most every shot that they could take, um, getting to the spots they wanted, having a, a wide portfolio of people that played well, right? You go down to seven players in double figures, so you were comfortable. And when you get comfortable, you do relax somewhere. And I think what the Kings did was relax on the defensive end, and it certainly was something that caught the attention of head coach Alvin Gentry. Me personally, I thought it was one of the greatest uh, defensive struggles I've seen since my years in the NBA. We have to do better defensively as far as keeping our men in front of us. It's great winning the game, you know, obviously, but, uh, you know, there are just so many areas that we've got to get better in. He's right. And I think what happens to this team, like I said, I, when they really are locked in defensively, which does not happen that much, but if we go to Saturday, I think they were. And you had a situation where the Kings coaching staff elected to put De'Aaron Fox on Paul George. Paul George is their best offensive player. And after he made a couple early, De'Aaron really locked in. And I thought De'Aaron um, just had a good all-around game. His his focus on defense, it permeates to other guys. 
We know that Damian Mitchell is going to defend, and that defense can give you an energy. But, you know, of the two games, and not just who they played, but I would look at it this way. What was the final on Saturday? 104-99. So way less sizzle to it, right? The Kings shot 42%, hit 12 threes, made their free throws again, but out-rebounded the Clippers, turned the ball over maybe a tad too much, but you go one, two, three, four. So five players in double figures. Again, they did this without Harrison Barnes. Terrence Davis had to still at his big game. Fox and Halliburton were good. Bagley gave you a double-double. And Buddy got to double figures off the bench. And not just because it was the Clippers, but what's more sustainable? Trying to win a game 104-99 with a defensive focus to it? Or hoping, oh, we're playing Orlando or fill-in team here. We're going to get 142 points and just kind of make it look smooth and nice and pretty and highlights and um, those are all fun things to be a part of. It was a fun game. But I think what Coach Walton was asking for, I think what Coach Gentry is needing right now is something of more substance. And that's why the coaches continue to talk about rebounding. They continue to talk about defense. And I think when you're in a rut, to me, like if, if the Kings dropped a couple in a row, I would almost try to go back to a game just to get a win and play like yesterday. Just go. Pace, pace, pace. Score. Get as many attempts up. Hit a bunch of threes. Try to at least. And go off of the beginning part of De'Aaron Fox's overall game and just just get a win. Get a redirect. Get a win. Stop a losing streak and go forward. But for the long term, for the betterment of this team, for the sustainability of a season, they need to play more like they did Saturday, which is really kind of locked in defensively as best they can. The Clippers are a good offensive team, holding them to 99 points, keeping them under 40% shooting. And it's okay to win 104-99. Now, what's a prettier game? Probably more entertaining for the fans. Last night, there were highlights all over the place. It's not about making highlights. It's about trying to be the best team that you can possibly be. And I don't know what this team's ceiling is, I think they should be better than 11 and 14, but that's where they are. And they have to, they've gone through the lumps of that one road trip that we all looked at and go, oh, these four games, I think they got a good chance of winning three. Could they win all four? Well, they won one. And it was a really disappointing, it was the context of the trip. They played terribly on the trip. They've played a little better lately. Not just the three-game win streak, but overall, since Coach Gentry has taken over, it's hard to tell whether or not this is a true turnaround or are they just in a better flow. I mean, when you're a team that's three games below 500, you lose more than you win. Um, Alvin Gentry's on the better side of that. If we look at his mark, he's got five wins and three losses. Now, the losses, though, are real puzzling. His first one was against the Sixers when Philly had all five starters out. That was a bad home loss. Um, the Grizzlies blow out without jaw. They had not lost. They had not trailed in a game until last night. Finally lost. And then the Laker game where it was going just fine. 
and then it completely unraveled. So those are the three losses in this stretch. The wins, really good win against the Blazers. Triple overtime, thrilling win at the Lakers. The quality win in L.A. against the Clippers again. I know it was without Paul George. The The best win in the stretch might be the one they had Saturday against the Clippers. And then last night, beating Orlando. So 11-14, and 14, winning three straight changes things quickly, especially in the West. I mean, it's amazing how quickly this turnaround has propelled the Kings in just to a different spot in the standings. And we'll, we'll do a little deeper dive into that later. But if, if the, season, the dreaded, if the season ended today, well, if it did, the Kings would be in, in a play-in situation. But it's back to the point I was making earlier. December 15th is coming up less than a week away. That's the NBA's date that trades or more people are available. Let's, let's put it that way. Basically the entire pool of players are available for trades. And to me, you have a Western conference that is as gettable, not at the top. I'm not talking about the top, but the Kings, their quest, their desire, whether it was coach Walton or now coach Gentry is to make the playoffs, to break the drought, to get in the postseason. It is so doable. Even with this stretch that they've played through 25 games at three games below 500, 11 and 14 would not wow anybody. And they're in right now. And, you know, if they won like two more coming up, they might be as high as a five seed. It's that fragile right now. And and conversely, they go the other way. You lose a couple, you could be 13th. So... I had said all along I expected the Spurs, Rockets, Thunder, Pelicans, and Timberwolves to be the five teams out. Timberwolves are still one of the top ten. The Blazers right now are a team that's on the outside looking in at 11 and 15. They've lost four in a row. The hottest team in the whole league, go figure, is the Houston Rockets, winners of seven in a row. Just bizarre how this year has gone, how this season has gone, and really 25 games. We've got a long, long way to go. Um We'll get more on the Kings coming up. Lincoln Kennedy's going to be joining us in a few moments. I don't know if any of you had a chance to see uh, one of the things that was posted today on social media about an upcoming show. I think it's to HBO. Chris, was that where it was, HBO? Yeah. HBO coming up in the spring. Uh, it's called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Now, here saying that, it's like, ah, I don't want to watch that. I think you might. I don't know. I, it looks like it's trying to weave itself in between. I don't think it's supposed to be... Um, a comedy per se, because I like love John C. Riley. He's playing Jerry Buss. It's basically about late 70s, early 80s Lakers, the forum, but there's magic, Kareem with actors playing these guys. John C. Riley is um, Jerry Buss, um, but it's it's really about there's Pat Riley. Who's it? Adrian Brody's playing Pat Riley, yeah. I think. Um, Jason Siegel's playing Coach Westhead. There's just, it's going to be, Maybe more of a basketball historian as opposed to a, you know, Laker fans will watch it, but Kings fans, you might go, I don't want to see this. I think it's going to end up, the trailer looks really good. Adam McKay is, his last few like movies, and he does Succession too. Mm-hmm. It's more of a comedy, drama, dramedy, dramedy. But yeah. I would say more, I would say like more drama with some laughs. I would say more comedy with some drama. Oh, okay. Okay. And this one, I mean, immediately the very first scene of the trailer is John C. Riley, and I'm I'm half waiting for Will Ferrell to jump out, but he's not in it. 
But then I go, oh, this is going to be funny. But then there's nothing that's set up that way, at least in the trailer. It just looks like it more be a, a storytelling of that time of getting Magic Johnson. You already had Kareem, Jerry Buss trying to buy the team, his lifestyle, uh, the Buss family looks like it's on them, and, and the Lakers in the forum and all that. There is a very interesting podcast about Donald Sterling, mm-hmm. and they covered that time of Buss getting the Lakers and Sterling, but you learn more about Buss during that part of the podcast. And when I first thought, heard that, I'm like, whoa, this is pretty interesting, and I had no knowledge of it whatsoever Mm -hmm. so this is that got me kind of excited about this show yeah i think it's gonna be really good they just put the first trailer out it's coming out in the spring again it's winning time the rise of the lakers dynasty something to check out come springtime all right when we come back the raiders said it earlier this week you know what they look like a 500 team and that's what they are six and six some good some bad some ugly lincoln kennedy joins us when we come back right here on sports 1140 khtk Down, stay the same. Looking like I'm going to a Raider game. No, I'm not the only one. We've been doing it like back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. It's an absolute pleasure to check in with Lincoln Kennedy as we do each and every week. Well, we didn't last week, Lincoln. I was off last week, and since we last talked, I feel like we got a little bit of both of the Raiders. The Thanksgiving game was great. I mean, phenomenal win in Dallas. And then they back it up with what they just did this last weekend. I mean, why, why, what is going on? These guys are just about as up and down as you can get. It's a pillar of inconsistency. That's the best way to describe it. Um, it's frustrating because as an analyst, I see all the Raiders games, and I know what the true potential of this team is. However, they consistently play, they consistently play beyond, you know, under their level. Um, whether it's, you know, you see the, the great game against Dallas on Thanksgiving off of a short week and all the things that were, you know, touted against them. And then you watch that performance against the Washington football team the following week and, and extended rest. And there's really no reason, you know, no rhyme or reason why you can uh, address it or, or say that it, it should be because it really shouldn't happen. Yeah, and what I said this week, I said, Lincoln, you know, this team looks exactly like their record, 500. They're not bad. Yeah. They're not right. great. And 500 teams – We'll do that. Well, they'll sneak in and go, wow, that was a really good win in Dallas. And then you wonder why they can't support it. It just is that is this who they are, Lincoln, a, a 500 team? Not bad. Not great. Well, Jason, you, you said, you know, they're, they're, they're a 500 team. I, I, I don't think they're a good team. I, I, okay. I've, I've given up hope on whether or not they're they're good or bad or, you know, the 500. I, they're not a good football team mm. because the, the fact is, is that the level of inconsistency runs rampant. They should not have lost the game against the Washington football team. They should not have lost the game against the Giants. They should not have lost the game against the, the, the Chicago Bears. Uh, that's three losses right there. I mean, I can go in, in, in details on other ones. We've seen them at, you know, they made the Miami game and get a little more interesting than it should have been, um, but they were fortunate enough to come away with the win. If it wasn't for Carl Nelson in week one when he was playing against the, the Ravens, you know, making that fumble uh, uh, on Lamar Jackson, they probably wouldn't have beaten the Ravens, but mm. it is what it is. So, you know, with the remaining games, I, I really don't know what to describe or how to describe, best describe this team or what they're capable of because they're all against AFC opponents. And uh, aside from the Cleveland Browns, every one of those teams are trending upward in a way that I don't know. I'm not confident that the Raiders can beat them. So I don't really know where to put them right now. Yeah, and, you know, if I thought going in there might have been a strength that would have been the offense. So in the last – 
I think this is four of the last five weeks, Lincoln. 16 points to the Giants, 14 to the Chiefs, 13 to the Bengals, 15 to Washington. They did have the big eruption against Dallas. But offensively, you've said it all along. They're not a great running team. We get that. But just overall, I, where's their offense been? Inconsistent, like yeah. the rest of the team. I mean, you know, the hey, if if anything is trending upward, it would be the defense is playing a lot better than it did in the past couple of years. However, we've seen this scenario over and over again for the last couple of years. You know, they play well in September and October, and then comes November, December, and they wet themselves. Um, so it, it's it, you know they put themselves in, a, in an awkward position where they're fighting to keep five hundred. So um, offensively, they, they've got to have more production. Look, they've got all the weapons. Um, the offensive line hasn't played consistent. I'll give you that. And I'm, I've told people that. The offensive line needs to be addressed. It, but you can't address it in the middle of the season. You have to go with what you know. This is a passing football team. And if it's a passing football team, you've got to get better play out of your quarterback. And he's been the pillar of inconsistency because one week he looks like, you know, gangbusters against Dallas. He comes back and against a depleted secondary. He can't, he can't stand up to the task. So I know this is looking forward. They've still got more games to go, but assume they don't make it, which I think is a pretty safe assumption. What do you do there? I mean, because Carr, again, kind of in that he's probably in the top portion of quarterbacks in the league, but not a top 10, not a difference-making quarterback, at least with this team. What do you think they do in the future at that position? Statistically, he's a difference maker. Isn't he ranked like number two or three in the league or something like that behind passing? I don't have the numbers in front of me. Statistically, he's exactly what you want, but it has not translated into wins. It's a difficult decision, and I honestly think it's going to come down to the coaching decision. If you stay with the current coaching staff, you got to stay with Derek Carr. Um, if you decide to make a change and go with someone different, I think a coach who's coming in will probably want to have a look at the, 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 the situation. And not like John Gruden where he's like, you know what, i got to get a quarterback, I'll make it work. Because let's face it, um, you know, I like Derek Carr. I like what he's, what he's capable of, but he's been inconsistent for eight years. Um, and, and now you're at a, at a verge where you're, you, if you're going to commit franchise money to him, what you need to do to, commit, to, uh, to, to uh, keep him, then you're in, a, you're in the estimation that he can get you over the top. And I'm not sure that can happen. Lincoln, I, I think this is probably more of a personnel issue than a coaching issue. But I personally just can't believe they would come back with the same coaching staff, depending on a, a miracle finish. I just, I, I wouldn't, I'd be surprised if the Raiders came back with the same staff, wouldn't you? Well, well here's the thing. I know before Gruden departure, um, they, they, signed, they signed a lot of coaches to extensions. Mm. Um, and because there are so many jobs out there, uh, both college and the pros, I'm, I'm curious to where you would try to go. I mean, where you would be able to go. Um, and, and look, you know, for what it's worth, Gus Bradley has transformed this defense. He's got them playing better than they have in the last couple of years. I just don't see you starting all over again. You see, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. As we're talking with Lincoln it's, Kennedy. It's, 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 yeah, it's difficult. It really is, Jason. It's difficult to, to complete and say where they're going to go because – you know, if you get away from Greg Olson and offensive staff or you hire an offensive coach, who's to say he's not going to want to have a, defense, a, a, a different defensive mind that comes in there? You know what I mean? I don't know how you, how you, 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 you sliver the, or how you separate this, the, the coaching staff hmm. like that. Yeah. Lincoln, uh, injuries are part of the sport, obviously. Losing Kenyon Drake, we already talked about the offense, yeah. inconsistent. But what will that do for the rest of the way, not having him as a you know, sparing runner, but certainly as a, as a receiver out of the backfield? Well, it, it really makes it a little bit more difficult. Josh Jacobs has had some, some lights where he's, he's looked promising uh, catching the football coming out of the backfield. But let's face it, it's not one of his strengths. And I think it was in Dallas where he missed a wide-open 
a little flare route to the right where he, he dropped it and stuff like that. So, uh, But it's going to put a lot more burden. But for the most part, Josh Jacobs has been healthier than he's been in his previously in his three years in his career um, uh, at this particular point. So um, if they can find a way to generate the run game and keep him going, he, it will be good. But they definitely need to get some, some backs out of the backfield that have some, some uh, input in the passing game. All right, this week we know how difficult it is to go into Kansas City and try to win. Chiefs are playing much better. The game was was kind of up for grabs a few weeks ago, and then that fourth quarter fizzle by the Raiders. What do you expect uh, Sunday in Arrowhead? I'm hoping that Gus Bradley finds a way to handle Travis Kelsey as well as handle Tyreek Hill working out of the slot rather than the X or Z position of receiver uh, because the fact is is that last the last time they, they played, uh, one of the things that the Kansas City Chiefs did is they threw short routes, uh, short passes, and had yards after the catch. And that works well against the solid defense that you're playing, um, uh, through, especially from the 20 to 20 through the middle part of the field. So they've got to find a way to slow down this Kansas City Chiefs offense that is generating a lot of momentum. More importantly, they find a way, you know, as far as talking about a run game, Kansas City Chiefs have developed a little bit of a run game. So um, they're going to have their hands full of that, with that as well. Is that atmosphere, I know as a player it had to be fun to go in and try to win. I know it was difficult to play there, but even as a broadcaster, is that a fun environment for you to go to? As a broadcaster, no. You're high, <laughs> way high up in, in, in the corner, and you need your binoculars to, to look at things. And, but, but as a player, you definitely look forward to the challenge uh, going into Kansas City. It's a difficult place to play. It's loud. It's going to be very loud for the Raiders. Uh, and, and right now, I don't know what the, you know, the ups and downs that the Raiders have had this season, why they're 6-6 six and six right now. I don't really know who's going to show up. I hope mm-hmm. it's a competitive game, and I hope the Raiders find a way to play, play within themselves and maybe try to get a win. Um, I saw this news just here recently. Just want to get your thought on Hugh Jackson. Looks like he may be getting the job at Grambling. How do you think uh, former Raiders coach Jackson will do there? Well, you know what? I know you was uh, working with uh, Herm Edwards here at Arizona State. I live in Phoenix mm-hmm. um, as an advisor. And so I know once you get that itch, you, it's hard to get rid of it. Um, so I just wish the best to you, Jackson. And I'm so glad that, you know, the, the historically black colleges are, are being recognized for the good, great work they do and the individuals that they, they represent. Uh, and more importantly, how, you know, how many we, we've had that come through the league and have made their stamp. You know, Michael Strahan, you talk about um, Jerry Rice. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's, there's been a, a bunch of guys that have come through historically black colleges that had an impact on the NFL. So I'm hoping that you, know, you was able to keep that going. Lincoln, got to get your Pac-12 expertise and overall thought, too, on uh, Lincoln Riley uh, going to USC. Huge for the Pac-12. Absolutely huge. And more importantly, if Lincoln Riley is able to make USC competitive, that's great for college football. USC is a top-five job, and no one's going to deny that, ever deny that. But when USC is relevant, much like the Raiders in the National Football League, when USC is relevant to college football, it's great for college football. So I think the world of the, of the higher, I'm surprised that USA was, USC was able to pull it off, but I hope uh, big things come for USC to in, in, in days to come. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see these coaching carousels going all over the place. Lincoln, uh, great to catch up with you. Uh, have a good call this weekend. We'll have it for everybody here on KH2K on Sunday, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Always a pleasure, brother. Be well. Lincoln Kennedy joining us for his weekly visit. Our thanks to him. Yeah, again, it'll be the Raiders and the Chiefs. Tough opportunity. I mean, Lincoln said, no, they're not even a good team. I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt of being that 500 team that are not great, not bad, just in that no man's land where sometimes you can play like you did against the Cowboys. But their problem lately has been the offense. And, oh, by the way, have you looked at what the Chiefs have been doing in their win streak? They are stopping opponents. Their defense has been why they're winning, not their 
their much-decorated offense, which is still great and has given the Raiders problems in the past, it's been the Chiefs' defense that's been a lot better. So the Raiders have a, their hands full this weekend. All right, break time for us. We'll come back. Final hour coming up before we get you to Thursday Night Football, the Steelers and the Vikings. Chris Landry to join us from LandryFootball.com at 430. We'll come back. More on the Kings. Some trends going on right now with the Kings. Some good and some bad. We'll do that when we come back here on KHTK.